Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. And if you just read you, this is a test transmission. It opens a new and, I think, exciting chapter in the story of radio. This is going to be a service to provide a tremendous amount of information and satisfy a lot of different interests. I was always itching to shake it during a program. In the air, on the river and underground. We hope very much that uh, Derek can hear us. Can you hear us? From Resonance 104.4 FM and social broadcasts, this is Transmitter bringing you original sounds, new voices and archive treasures from radio, broadcasts, podcasts and sound art across the globe. I'm Lucia Scadzocchio and I'll be scanning the digital soundscape to cut through the noise. The next hour is dedicated to telling stories and more specifically, storytelling through sound. Telling Stories is a new podcast series hosted and produced by Phoebe McIndoo, and Redzi Bernard, two emerging radio makers who are reaching out to the people they admire in the audio pool of producers, writers, sound artists, musicians and sound designers to find out how they do it. But I'll let Phoebe introduce herself. My name is Phoebe McIndoo. I live in London working as a sound artist and I'm by the river. And before sound, which I got into relatively recently, I was working as a teacher in kind of sex ed, going into different schools and talking about gender and equality and consent and that sort of thing. So audio is a relatively recent venture for me. And the reason that I was keen to talk to you on Transmitter, and this is very much a kind of meta show because you've launched a podcast called Telling Stories. So this is going to be about another podcast that's about how to make great audio. It's like looking into a many mirrored circus (laughs) trick. So hopefully it won't be too much of a circus. I was keen to talk to you because I saw your podcast pop up and I thought, ah, finally, I mean, I've been doing Transmitter for a while, but it hasn't been necessarily interviewing makers. It's been more about discovering different things that I think people should hear that they might not necessarily come across. And I thought, ah, finally, someone in the UK doing this for the radio audio nerds out there. There's How Sound made by Transom, Mm. Third Coast. So there are a few shows like that in the States, but I hadn't come across anything focusing on, I mean, you do have American people on there too, but you know, your focus is more on UK radio makers. So I was really delighted to see that pop up and there were lots of people that I I was interested in. Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry that it's only um, half of us here, but Red Z also sends her, sends her wishes to the show. And I'll try and kind of think on her behalf as well a little bit as I'm answering your questions. I thought we could talk about this podcast that you you've made and what you've learned so far and the different people you've spoken to but first of all tell me why you decided to create telling stories you and Red Sea what was the incentive sure so we were walking one day and actually it was the first time Red Sea and I had met face to face so we were kind of zoom 
connections and we went on this long walk and we started talking about storytelling and I was asking her about her favorite story that she'd ever heard and the conversation progressed and we were trying just out of curiosity to get to the nub of what made the stories we love so special because that's always been something that fascinates me is I'll I'll hear something or I'll read something and it kind of connects with me so beautifully but I don't spend much time thinking about why that is or what's happening to make me feel that where I just kind of really connect to, to whatever is being said or spoken. We were having a chat about that and then we thought it would be really nice if we could kind of create a little sharing resource school where we talk to some of our favourite storytellers and just ask them those kind of questions. What do you love making? How are you making it? What are you doing? To try and get to the central question of what makes a good story and how can we be better storytellers? So that that was it. It was really just curiosity that then led into us deciding to put it in a kind of podcast platform and share it with other people. And what I like is that you've taken the we're learning from you model, but then you've also, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, quite inspired by Sarah Geis's audio playground. So this idea of asking people to come up with a little challenge to kind of get you making in a different way. Is that where you got that idea from? I mean, it must have been because I knew about Audio Playground and I love that and I often submit to it and just have a lot of fun messing around with different ideas. What I really loved the idea of was having some kind of forum where you could sort of interact with these storytellers who you admire, who I I often put the storytellers I admire on a kind of pedestal and they're like these gods in the distance. So I really like the idea that, you know, they would set people a challenge and then people respond and that it could become a more fluid platform for conversation where the story continues after the podcast episode is over, for example, and you pull all the ideas that you've heard in the episode into the making of a scratchy playful piece that's just been so fun so far a Reddy and I have found it really liberating doing it for ourselves but hearing other people's challenges you know when we occasionally get an email into the Reddy and Phoebe at gmail.com inbox which just kind of lights up it's so fun to hear how other people are responding we quite liked the idea of it being almost a school for us and so we enjoyed the idea that we'd be set homework at the end of every episode so really that's kind of what triggered it was this very school institution style idea but uh, you know rendered maybe in a slightly more playful way and the challenges that are set at the end of every episode are usually inspired by something that's been said in the conversation and they are to create something in audio form a piece of art or or a story which maybe pulls in some of the techniques that the audio producer has talked us through in the episodes so they're really creative and just encouraging you to look at the world in a slightly different way through storytelling through sound I loved your piece on Scrabble so do you want to just introduce that and I'll play it yes so this was in response to Ariana's challenge to capture an object in sound 
and it's my Scrabble board, which is a very kind of old, raggedy looking board, but very well loved. And especially during lockdown, I would take the board with me over to my grandma's house and we'd sit out in the garden and play. And just the the combination of the board and the warm weather and our conversation inspired this piece. During spring days, me and my grandma meet outside to play Scrabble. Because then I can actually put in, um, I can put in bits of the game into the show. Um, are we on the air then? Flowers growing in the garden. The neighbour calls to us from over the wall. A good day for it. And my grandma smiles before answering loudly. What's he saying? What's he saying? I turn on the recorder. She asks me whether we're on air. Should she keep her language in check? No, 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 no. Um, are we on the air then? Have I got to be careful what I say? I can just snip it and put it in the show. It's quite nice. Right, great. And the board I carry with me, with the white fur crease down one edge, opens up. Pink star in the middle. Field of green squares. The felt letter bag shakes. And she pulls an A. Soon we're in the wake of play, half concentrating, half lost in the world of our conversation. The smell of flowers, the pigeon, coo, coo, coo. No, no XA, would you believe it? XI, XU, but no XA. I know. I thought there was an XO and then I could have landed on the triple. <laughs> oh. Like traffic, grasshoppers twitching. The old woman next door peering at us through the slanting shade of her blinds. And really, it is the pretense of Scrabble because it doesn't matter who wins or who won't, but that we can be together. This board acting like the glue. I think what I'll say to Alessandro is that I'd like to see him again, but for a you know. I I really struggled with this challenge, Lucia, because at first I'd kind of I tried to capture the essence of a block of ice. It was really utterly bad, it, and it had no kind of meaning. And that's something that I've really learned through doing this podcast. Is it's really hard to make something that actually resonates not only with other people but with also with yourself. So often I make things, and I just listen back and I think oh this is kind of doing nothing for me yeah it's a it's a hard skill that I'm enjoying learning from other people but yeah it's tricky I don't know how you find it I guess I'm in a slightly different position in that and and I think maybe this is why I should perhaps start doing some of these challenges because I run my own company and so it's all work it's all commissions for other people Mm. and the storytelling that I do ends up being you know something that perhaps a story that someone else is trying to tell and I'm trying to capture in audio so there isn't that much space to be imaginative and 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 I mean I'm definitely creative but to kind of just think of my own thing and get creative around that I remember hearing an interview with Sarah Geis about why she created Audio Playground. And that was one of the things it was obviously for her students. But this thing where when you're a working audio producer, editor, etc., you don't have that much space and time to play. You're always under pressure to finish things. 
and produce and and go on to the next project so there isn't that much time to experiment maybe there's a fear as well because you know we always want everything we make to you know of course people want their work to to be and to sound good so pushing past that sort of fear that you know your work might fail or flop is probably quite an important aspect of it so with the people that you've interviewed I mean there's been a whole range is there like a big lesson that's come through or something that you were you hadn't thought of and that you thought oh okay that makes sense I hadn't thought of that going into a story or or that's the way you structure something or or you know just something that was new to you do you know I really took a lot from the conversation with Ariana about the way they visualize stories and the telling of stories as this kind of physical space that has different locations and I think you know other people have told me about the physicality of audio and storytelling but there was something so nice about the way they described different parts of the story in my head the way I took the advice was that different parts of the story are almost like different train stations in a journey and you you'll stop off at a station you can get out and you could wonder and then you're taken to the next station that's very different actually to what they said but that's what I felt the message that kind of came through to me after the conversation I really liked that that you could tell a story in these scenes that are real geographical locations and you transport people to one place and then to another this is Ariana Martinez, very much focused around this idea of place and how there was this deep kind of listening, going to spaces and really immersing themselves in that space and being inspired by art practice, I guess, where you're thinking about how the piece that you're making will resonate in a space, but also the relationship that your art has with that place that really resonated with me because a lot of my work is quite site specific and focuses on this crossroads or nexus where people collide um, in, in public spaces I was quite interested in what they said about this idea of looking really deeply also into the history of a place to understand it and just speaking to people taking quite a deep look at the place that you're integrating into your audio piece. There is something to be gained from, I, I would say the overall principle of art making, which is rooted in like observational learning. So one of the things that I would do when I was trying to make physical artwork and, and trying to decide like how to position, say a sculpture in a place, I would spend entire days in a single location, just making notes of everything. So I would sit like in the middle of a parking lot, literally for an entire day and take photos, take video, take audio, make sketches. Take all of these records of that place and bring them back to my studio and then assemble, you know, a new narrative about that place from my point of view. 
and you can expand that by interviewing people by like just talking to people who are around there who are just you know also standing in the parking lot you know um or by digging into historical records about this parking lot actually used to be a piece of farmland that belonged to this family that stole it from you know going really 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 deep into these like pretty banal places gives you a sense of like you as a person and you as a storyteller are like intimately rooted into a system that you may or may not be already aware of. For storytelling, that's so rich because then you have all of these layers, not just like your real-time 2020 observation, but you have, you know, a layer of history, a layer of cultural knowledge, a layer of mythology or you know there is like a modern kind of mythology we have about every place we've ever been you know like why certain places have a kind of resonance is because of like the stories people are continuously telling about them and so like attuning yourself to all those layers and then you know which I'll get to like translating that into sound like that's the next step but I think like that can be learned like that's a technical thing like how do I gather the sound that I need how do I put it together in the session this other thing, this observing space and really understanding where you are and who else is there, who else has been there, uh, what else has been there, all the non-human entities that are there, that I think takes longer to develop and is is worthwhile, I think, for anyone making like sound-rich work, for sure. That was fascinating and it's such a good tip for storytelling in general that there are stories all around you in the in the place where you're living, in the places you visit. So we've got this idea of, of place. And then I think something else that came up is language. So I learnt a lot about language, I would say, from Axel Cucutier. And he is bilingual to start. And that was just a kind of interesting thing to wrap our heads around in and of itself that you can approach stories with different words and you know each language carries its own rich cultural context and Axel was saying how you know a lot of his storytelling is also identity searching and in order to do that being bilingual you almost have to do it from from the different languages that you use with being bilingual often people say it helps you to understand a different side of a story Mm. or of a person so if you you know and if you can speak both their languages then you kind of can understand them better but do you think that when you're writing um you're trying to kind of understand it from Mm. different sides of of your different languages or your different my entry points. Pa- pa- I think on, on a deeper level, because consciously that's not something that even comes to mind. But I think because I am thinking of again, this may, uh, may this may come out in another three years. But I'm thinking of uh, writing something to do with language and identity and how that informs. Because simply just because like the the access that I don't have or have the limited access I have with my family in Cote d'Ivoire, for example, because they all speak French, is it's very felt. Um, so perhaps when I am writing and trying to find ways to encompass my attempt to want to connect it could be rooted in the fact that yeah like there's a French side of me that is not as developed as my English speaking side for example I don't know that's it's a good question because because you're hearing yes short answer yes I feel like there's a poetic interpretations uh, interpretation that I realize that I do when I translate from 
um, English to French. So potentially, but I feel like it's also potentially just how, yeah, my relationship with language is like, I use it for this. It's part or, of your DNA. Yeah, yeah, countless times my partner and I would be like, you can't use that word to, to describe this thing because that's not what it's generally used for. I remember I had a conversation with my partner about, you know, when people go on dates and they talk about that spark, I, I thought that meant a romantic potential in purely just like soul to soul. Um, but I think after like a little cursory poll that I did with a couple of friends, it's just, it's more, is it more physical? Cause like for me, that was a real. I, I think when I hear spark, I feel like some, some kind of energy, something that you see in somebody else's eye. But is it, to be, to be crude, is it something where you, is it something like a physical pouncing or more of a like heart to heart? I want to, I want to swim in you in your heart almost you know like mm, but i so i think surely the second means the first like if you feel like that about someone if you feel there's this like meeting of souls mm. doesn't that just naturally lead to a physical spark but sometimes you can just have the physical spark yeah but that's the thing like it's it's i'm learning that my measure of what is average in terms of like language and what people use it on a day to day is it's not necessarily, it's not accurate. It's more like, no, when you use Spark, it generally means this. Or, it, you know, that generality of what words are used for. <laughs> I, I realise that I don't, I, don't, I don't have a good gauge for that. But I am using that to my advantage. My but, husband yeah. does that, but with very concrete things. So, like, he'll call bricks tiles. And I'm like, it's, it's not. It's not a tile, it's a brick, is it? <laughs> you see, I was just like, why, why can't it be a brick? Yeah. You know? What, is the th- what makes a brick a brick and a tile a tile? Like, well, yeah. just interchange it. Anyway, but, you know, that's that's that <laughs> and I thought yeah like it's it's it yeah it's the one the, the wonders of language I think it's such a fun thing to play around with and I really liked that I, I loved that and it, and it also teaches you to be careful and very specific about language but also that you can be playful and explore what different words and phrases mean to other people I don't know if you've come across uh, that at all in in your own storytelling yeah I am quite conscious of it I actually really enjoyed this part of the conversation with Axel Cacutio because I'm also bilingual French and the thing that struck me and it's not he didn't say it directly but I'm very conscious when I'm speaking to people whose mother tongue isn't necessarily English is that you're not the same person in a different language and that seems like quite a strange thing to say but personally I'm not the same Lucia in French as in English I'm just not because I'm using language in a different way and the way I express myself is is just very different. And so I think when you're speaking to people who, who come from somewhere and they're expressing themselves to you in English, it's not necessarily all of themselves. We have to be a little bit conscious of that. Maybe one side of the story almost that you're being presented with. Or especially with humour, I think that's the, the thing doesn't always translate very well definitely not very funny in French I mean I'm not saying I'm that funny in English but I'm definitely funnier in English than I am in French so you know that it just doesn't and and sarcasm doesn't really work in French so there's these things that that just don't quite translate so people's personalities kind of adjust and yeah so you're not necessarily getting the whole story yeah that's fascinating I I love these kind of um 
mysteries as well in storytelling and and it's like what is absent and how can you capture that it's almost like you know if you imagine a vase filled with with air oh I don't know what I'm saying Lucia let me try and unpick it it's like a vase filled with air and you know the air inside will be taking the the shape of the vase but it but you can't see it and I there's something about that with stories as well that they capture what isn't there as well as what's there Definitely. I wanted to talk to you about different storytelling styles and there's something about what's not said Mm. that also creates the story. And I used to get very frustrated with, it's kind of fading a little bit now, but there was a generation of people that were trained through NPR in the States and they were taught to tell you everything. So you've introduced your story, you introduce the person you're about to speak to, and then the narrator will tell you all about them. And that always used to really frustrate me because it was like, I want to hear it from them. I don't need you as this narrator to tell me what's going on. I want to hear what's going on myself. I want to imagine it. I want to hear just from the the way somebody speaks and the emotion in their voice or what they're not saying. I want to be able to kind of imagine where they are and who they are and what's happening to them. Constant signposting. That's gone a little bit out of fashion now. I mean, there are these trends in audio storytelling that come through and it was definitely up until a few years ago, the dominant trend. And and that becomes a bit scary in a way, doesn't it? When stories are so crafted that it's more about the crafting than the meaning and there's been something very interesting about doing this podcast and looking at the techniques of storytelling and the ways in which we can all teach ourselves to be better storytellers in a way but we're we're all learning perhaps <laughs> from the same rule book and therefore stories can be manipulative and we're led in certain directions. It's good to have more of a critical thinking around stories because of the different ways that we're manipulated, especially within the news and within media. You know, often we're really bombarded with this is the storyline and this is what I'm telling you about this person and I'm going to frame it from this perspective. And so there is something lovely about learning more about stories in general that helps you to be more sensitive to what's going on, how's it being told, what will I take from it, rather than, you know, in the past, I would probably just consume stories a bit more without thought. I guess it depends on where things are being broadcast as well. And I think the advantage of the increase in podcasts and the fact that it's relatively easy for people to produce their own things is they're not bogged down by these media institution rules that are telling you this is the way that you need to tell this story yeah so people have now got the space to experiment a bit more and and perhaps to tell different stories for a start but also to tell them differently and I think you see that coming through a little bit now because you know you can produce your own thing you can upload it you can create a space for people to listen to it Whereas before, you know, you had to pitch to a radio station or join a community radio station, that kind of thing. So now you can just do it 
therefore people are, are starting to play around a bit more and also starting to bring different voices through that we weren't necessarily hearing on mainstream media although that isn't happening enough well one thing that I wanted to add actually you asked me about kind of learnings and our conversation actually with James T. Green was I thought quite a good example of somebody who you know is stirring up that part of what those kind of familiar ways of telling and I really admire that level of experimental that he brings to his work and something that James talked about with us was this need for more silence so he said in order to achieve that within his own work he bakes silence into the piece so that at the end of the story you know you don't just go on autoplay into your next podcast you have two minutes of silence or perhaps it comes in the middle of the piece and you pull out your phone and you worry about whether it's broken or not and room for silence is a good way of incorporating some space into the story for listeners to think about what they're being told and who it's being told by and what kind of voice they're hearing and you also spoke a lot about um repetition and almost through the repetition you're creating an emotion yeah and how those rhythms of storytelling really feel in your body and kind of creating this very sensoried way of storytelling um i think for me for like like i guess that like if i have like a a sonic stamp as you will it's it's definitely the use of repetition um i love repetition just as like a motif like if if i think back to um being my first audio work what i did was so i was like really interested in the fact that like it was like the early aughts like there's a little john song called real nigger roll call and the thing about that track was that it it like broke some kind of record of having the most curse words per like per song but i was super interested in that so i i um took out all the curse words i like lined them all up and then i pitched them down to the um to the frequency level of the average black male and it just became this like mud of mud of sound you felt kind of uh I don't know the lurchingness or like like you felt the words but you didn't know what the words said you know what i mean it's kind of like when you like go to a movie and you like maybe there's like a low frequency rumble that's happening and you may not be able to hear it, but you feel it like that's what i felt when i listened to that pitch down version of that i was super interested in this idea of like you know internalizing hate it's like how can you f- capture the feeling of internalized hate but like do it without having somebody tell you and it's like okay you have these words that are rumbling literally inside of you to a frequency that you can barely hear but you can feel um so yeah so that was like the first thing that i did and i and i like now joining y'all now i was like oh yeah like actually like repetition is like a big thing that i really like doing i loved what james said about there are interesting feelings that we have, for example, the feeling of maybe repulsion, these very deep guttural responses. And he said something about just this love of exploring. What is that? What is that feeling? Why Why do we feel repulsed? Which I liked because it's just another way of communicating meaning, isn't it? That isn't all language. It's something about how, how do these words actually 
feel in my mouth or sit on my tongue or feel as, as I listen to them and the meaning kind of reverberates through my body. And a few of the storytellers that we've had have spoken really eloquently about the different ways that meaning can be conveyed. And it's not all about just language. And in fact, Ariana also said that maybe sometimes shying away from language is is also nice. You know, how, how else can you communicate the the story? Yeah. And, and there was an interesting curveball that you threw at James Green around time as well, which is also another way of manipulating our sense of what we're hearing. OK, so time, 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 time. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the TLDR version is like anytime that you can bend time is something that I would like suggest leaning into, like this idea of like creating a, a sense of disorientation for the listener, whether it is utilizing repetition, which which in its way does make you lose track of time whether it's the use of just like like a slightly disoriented um like structure like any sort of ways that you can kind of like maybe move people towards a less linear way of thinking then it's like enough disorientation where it'll it'll kind of jolt them out of like their usual expectation because like the idea of the timeline on like and everything everything is like up up down left right so it's like any time that you can kind of like make people go into a z-axis i think is like a really interesting way of jolting people into a different space i want to explore that more so there's something really uh lovely about the way james describes his relationship with stories and on his website if you look at some of the resources that he's put up there there are kind of graphs um and very visual representations of the different directions that stories can take you on in terms of like time axes and you know it's just it's kind of a really abstract way of getting your head around thinking about what you know what stories can be is there another of the challenges that you are particularly proud of or something that um, Redsy made that we could listen to? Let me think of one of Redsy's pieces. This was in response to Arlie's challenge, which was to create a sonic transition moving from one space to another. And this was a really nice challenge just to kind of create fluidity and movement in a story. Arlie does it really well in his piece for the dig and he, you know he's on a international trans person helpline with friends in America and you kind of seem to transition from his room into theirs his challenge was based around that and Redsy created this really gorgeous piece where she's thinking about her sister who really sadly passed away and how she can listen out or try and connect to her sister we we both said that we hadn't quite managed to achieve the sonic transition element of the challenge, <laughs> but her piece was really moving. I know where you are. You're here. You're these uneven grains and tiny pebbles in this box, in a drawer in my bedroom. I know where you are. Still, I keep looking. All day I find you at the edges of my obsession. 
it is just a beetle. I never saw one so beautiful, but maybe that's coincidence. I see you in red flashes in the hedgerows, the blue-green shimmer on a mallard's neck, the glistening black swoop in a magpie's tail. Their jewel tones, your gift. I feel you, strong and smooth as a silver birch, as real as this is between the earth and the sky. The birds never sang like this before you died. Did you give them your voice? Is that you? You're there, late sunrise, a half halo fringing a cloud. You're the shifting light. And between this thing and the next, is that you? Are you there? Or not? Or not? I think this leads quite nicely on to Ian Tess. I don't, I can't remember their surnames. Tess Davidson and B. Duncan, who are the founders of the entry-level audio network, Elan. Yeah, so one of them, I'm not sure who was speaking at the time, spoke about importance of using real stories and real voices rather than recreating something. Do you, do you remember that? Yes, Tess, I think, yeah. If I set you with the challenge of you have to go out and tell the best story ever and you had to explain to someone what the kind of key ingredients were, if the answer is, well, it's just those things that you can't express, I wonder how, how you try and articulate that in articulation <laughs> that makes sense yeah that's a really good question best storytelling I think I would say that it can't be too neat and the narrative can't be overly done like not overly narrated I think not too neat and and allowing space for the messy kind of contradictions that we all have and I would say that the best way to kind of capture that is by having real voices of people on the ground in whatever situation that you're kind of reporting or telling the story of. And within those, those interviews, allowing for space. Because I think space is, is an incredible tool as a creative. It's, it's a wonderful moment as a listener. But it also, that don't shy away from space being something that can be deeply uncomfortable and kind of for me like a lot of my inspirations come from theatre and there's lots of different playwrights who who I feel really kind of play with with silence and space in a way that's that's really can it can be really inspiring for audio playwrights like Pinter or I, I read a Pinter play and I and I can feel myself like literally curling inwards and and crumpling up when I'm reading a scene and and I feel like being able to do that as a audio maker is is when you're really kind of grappling with the messy rawness of our lives and the situations that we're kind of encountering and I also think uh, there's a playwright called Annie Baker and she talks a lot about how important it is to be vulnerable but not necessarily confessional and I think that's something I always kind of think about how to kind of get to the root of their story in a way that it's it's universal or if it's not universal recognizing why that is and that maybe that's a voice that's been denied a space I'd say silences can be your friend but if they're not your friend that's also really interesting and explore that not overly narrating and uh what was the other one I said 
can't even remember now. Vulnerability. Been babbling, but yeah. Vulnerability. Yes, vulnerability. Yes, yes, yes. Tess speaks so eloquently. I, I kind of, I can't wait for the day when I just say things that sound as kind of marvelous as that. But I, I love the way she describes that within that space, how she can feel herself curling inwards and crumpling up. That is a very powerful thing about stories when they give you that real bodily reaction, which I guess space really allows time for. And yeah, it was really interesting to to hear her talk about capturing the contradictions of people, which I imagine you have lots more experience with, Lucia, in terms of all your conversations with strangers. I wonder if that's something that you come across uh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, people are full of contradictions. And sometimes also people don't quite know what their stance is around something through a conversation you've just got to sort of help them try and figure it out and I don't think there's anything wrong with that you know speaking about space somehow we aren't given the space to work that out and and be wrong and then sort of say hang on a minute do I really think that maybe I don't let me re-evaluate what I really think and that's usually cut out right we don't keep that in the edit because you want people to come across as sure and knowing what they think and knowing where they're coming from and having an opinion. But actually, sometimes it's good to not quite know and to be a little bit vulnerable to figure it out. And often the people I talk to, you know, they're not celebrities. They're not people that are asked questions regularly. They're people who are just going about their everyday lives and then this woman appears with her (laughs) microphone and is like tell me stuff and (laughs) so in a way through the conversation that they're having with me we're both figuring it out together and there's something quite beautiful when that kind of unfolds and there's something about what you're saying in that often we open our mouths and we don't know what's gonna come out so in allowing whatever it is to come out if you give people the space to do that they also have the opportunity to perhaps retract and revise what they've said which people of course don't always do even in those moments where people get flustered and they just start spouting a load of rubbish (laughs) there's something there isn't it and as you say maybe maybe the language that they're actually saying isn't the interesting thing maybe it's the way they're reacting or the way they panic and trying to communicate or where they pause or there's so much in the non-dialogue part of what we say that reveals big clues about who we are and the way we think that are also interesting yeah and often people just say stuff without and it's not actually what they believe when you kind of dig a little deeper it's just I I think we've all done it you just say something and then you're like hmm do I actually think that Redsy actually had this wonderful question to somebody who we interviewed. Actually, we haven't put out the interview yet. We were speaking with NK, who does Bitch Face podcast. And Redsy said, how do you trust yourself that what you're saying is even reflective of what you believe? And she said, for me, I'm too worried about being an unreliable narrator because I say one thing and then I, you know, I think, do I actually think that? And and therefore she gets stuck on the story because she's too worried about <laughs> whether she's being reliable or not, which I, 
I don't know. I liked thinking about what that is, what that means. But this is all about interaction with other people. But something that I've noticed, it's something that I wanted to speak to you about as a younger audio producer. I came from a kind of school of more anthropological radio making. So the interest in the other, going into spaces, discovering worlds, discovering places, discovering different cultures, all that kind of thing. You know, it's it's more that perspective. Mm. And anything about myself, not interesting. You know, mm. I'm not going to talk about myself necessarily. This is about as far as it goes, is transmitter. And... I noticed, and it's not just because of lockdown and COVID, this has been happening for a number of years. I first noticed it a few years back when I went to the Hearsay Festival in Ireland. And most of the pieces that won awards there and the kind of things that were getting recognition were autobiographical and Mm self-narrative. And it's something that's been creeping in And it seems to be very much what younger audio producers and makers are doing. And I wonder why that is. Is it because that's reflective of everything, you know, with the selfie generation that we're more looking at ourselves and trying to figure out who we are and part of of people's identity is very confused and and, and that's what they're looking at or you know this it's the easiest subject matter I'm just curious or narcissism (laughs) or narcissism I don't think it is narcissism necessarily I don't know but it's something I noticed and there's a clip from Sarah Geist who I think is more from my generation who talks about, you know, how do I tell my own stories and make them interesting? I mean, something that I'm still kind of working on is getting out of the non-narrated rut and what does my voice sound like when it is in a story, something that I preach but don't practice is like, your radio should sound like you. You know, there's certainly elements of me and traces of me in all of my work. But I do think that maybe I came up in this time when the idea was, get yourself out of the narrative. This isn't about you. And you're always there. Every edit you make is a decision that's about, that is about you in some way. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking there's a sort of a, a brewing idea that's going on now in quarantine. And telling, telling a story about what's going on and telling a story about what's going on in my life through this lens of this thing that's happening, which is I have a pigeon infestation on my back porch um which is like cute when they start to nest and they lay a perfect egg and not cute anymore there's shit everywhere um and it turns I'm, out I'm not a great pigeon fan i gotta say i gotta say it's revolting they could it's just like i haven't been able you know this i have a little like back porch that has some stairs on it i haven't been able to use it all summer Anyway, I realized my morning routine is I make coffee and I watch the pigeons and we have these professionals and then they brought a trap. And so just thinking about what is both horrifying and delighting me these days and what does it mean to tell that story about my experience and, and mis- mix this, I don't know, what does it mean to, to be funny and, and, and to be kind of specific about my own experience while telling stories? Um, mm. What does it mean to make it sound like me? I think I just kind of want to delight myself and that's really scary to do. Sarah said something really interesting about 
and and it links almost back to what Tess said about holding the contradictions of a person. Sarah said, "What what would it mean to reflect my experience in a way that kind of contains all you know all the things that I, I find bring me joy, but also frustration?" She's talking about these pigeons who keep booing on the porch, <laughs> and um, you know, and everyone's experience is is filled with hundreds of different grains of truth and maybe it's easier to get into those contradictions when it's you and your story and there's also less fear around oh how am I you know going to represent this person who I don't necessarily know how am I going to edit their voice in a way that I feel reflects them but but somehow perhaps when it's your story it's easier I also think that through the conversations that we've had with people, particularly the audio producers, NK, Nicole Kelly and Sharon Mashihi, they talk a lot about wanting to understand who they are. And that's something that you said maybe about feeling confused and feeling like they want to understand what the hell is going on, what they're feeling, what shame is coming up for them how can they navigate their own experience of a world that is often very complicated and in our conversation with Axel as well he talked about he spent his whole life receiving messages about who he is and so there's something about wanting to actually say hang on a minute I'm going to explore this for myself instead of being told you you are this person Okay, playing devil's advocate a bit. Yeah. Why do other people need to hear that? Well, do you know, NK uh, said in our interview, she was like, I don't know if they do. <laughs> she said, I don't, you know, sometimes I wonder whether I need to be broadcasting this or whether it's just my own kind of therapy. But I, I think other people can take so much from those stories because often other people are going through it, it, exactly similar experiences. And every time you hear a story whether it's somebody telling their own story or as you said it's the other you know I'm a external interviewer going out collecting these stories all of these voices are still people trying to navigate their experiences talking about their experiences and we as listeners receiving it always take what they're saying and pin it against our own experiences and how we think and feel so I wonder perhaps it's just no different perhaps it's all about hearing other humans talking about their lives and we hear it and we apply it to our lives and I guess it's you know what I said before there is I think an element of this ability to self-produce as well mm. because you can put your story out there yeah whereas pitching your story <laughs> is a whole other thing right persuading the guardians of, of <laughs> the media that you are interesting is quite a different task from um making something about yourself and putting it mm. out there it's really interesting I, I think especially to people who are I can only actually speak for myself but as somebody who's quite new into it I love listening to people and hearing their stories and that's kind of more what I want to do but the stories I always end up making are just my own because they're right there in front of me you know especially when you're new into a world you're wondering how to get those exciting stories that don't belong to you and it, it seems tricky so you just go for go for what you know yeah 
going for what you know, no matter how uncomfortable that might be. So you've had a few uncomfortable stories about yourself. And I just wonder how you navigated that, how you decided, okay, I'm, I'm ready to tell this and I'm okay with it. Um, I think the nice thing about radio is that I just never think that anyone will listen to what I make. <laughs> so it feels very much like writing in a diary. It's so personal. And it's, you know, when you're telling these stories, even when we're doing these interviews, I'm just sat here in my room. I'm, you know, looking out the window. I'm looking at the tree. And, you know, it just feels so private and personal that I feel like I could just tell you anything if you ask me. And um, it's just me talking into this microphone. And, and maybe that's what's nice about radio is that sometimes it is just like opening a page of a, a diary and writing down whatever you feel. We were set a challenge uh, as part of one of the episodes that's about to come out. And it was to, this challenge was so horrible, Lucy. It was to look into yourself and identify the thing that you are, that you are ashamed of, that uh, you're kind of most disgusted about about yourself and and to unpick it and it didn't have to be confessional but you had to look at this feeling of shame and put it into a story form and I just really struggled with it sometimes when you're telling these difficult stories about things that you're ashamed of you know that kind of stuff that makes you look bad those are the parts where the story becomes most vulnerable because it you know I can always present a side of that I think makes me look good but if I'm really having to think about who I am as a person and let me present that let me expose myself in a way that's real exposure that's just terrifying yeah <laughs> it's my worst nightmare I would not even go near that challenge I think <laughs> I had nightmares for, for like nights <laughs> after even attempting to do a first draft it was really kind of you know I don't know that's when stories cross the line of being just a story but they're like they're opening your eyes in ways that you're not very comfortable to to see <laughs> you've got a whole bunch of episodes coming out what soon yes we've got lots of interviews in the pipeline that we'll be releasing soon which is exciting and how are you finding that kind of treadmill of having to release regular episodes Do you know I I just love it so much because every new one I I learn so much I I feel you know if I could do this constantly also hearing from people what they find interesting what themes they keep on coming back to is another thing that I just am so enthralled by when I start identifying patterns in the conversations that we're having and ways that storytellers are similar but also very different it's kind of fascinating to me so yeah the, the whole process is just quite wonderful I want to finish I really loved your piece that you've made for one of the challenges it was recreating walking through the streets in in China and oh, having yeah. all these billboards kind of speaking to you do you know that was in response to James T Green and he said uh look at your last five google searches and it's a prompt that he also challenged audio playground goers to with sarah guys yeah so i think i'd googled this place where i used to live in china 
and a few other things. I Google a lot of random stuff. So it was a whole bunch of ideas that I threw together in there. I'm glad you like that one because that for me really felt like I said to James often when I'm doing experimental work, it feels like just a dustbin of ideas, not much kind of space or breathing room. <laughs> so I'm glad that you like that one. <laughs> I wasn't particularly proud of it. But you know it. what? I really, it, it reminded me of Blade Runner or that kind of dystopian city future bombardment. Yeah. 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 It was it was an interesting place to live. Do you want to, um, in your voice, tell people where to find Telling Stories and what's coming? Yes. So we would love it if you check out Telling Stories. You can find it on any of the different podcast apps that you use or you can go to tellingstoriespod.com and you can also follow us on twitter we're at stories underscore pod and after each episode we put out the main takeaways as we've heard them and we'll also put up any of the challenges that you send us in and i just hope that you can learn and have a bit of fun with it we've spoken to such amazing people and just having an insight into the way they think and make work is really special and we've got really nice interviews coming up dun, 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 dun. so yeah <laughs> brilliant thanks baby <laughs> You've been listening to Transmitter, a social broadcast production hosted and put together by me, Lucia Skadzokio. All the details of what you've heard will be available on the Transmitter tab of socialbroadcasts.co.uk and you can also subscribe to our newsletter. I'll be back with more sound, radio and podcast discoveries in June. And if you have any recommendations, please do drop me a line via the website. Until then, happy listening.